Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day it is for y'all. I'm going to take one of our little walks down the road. We have one, one lone puppy dog today, and no birds, no wife, no children, and everybody's just gone. We had a full crowd, it felt like, last time, but not so much this time. That's all right, maybe they'll come out. All right, so we spent a little time with John Adams last podcast, and we're going to, one of the things he talked about, the reason I bring that up at all is because one of his quotes that we talked about last time was, if we don't find more virtue in us as a people, it won't matter who our rulers are. It won't even matter the form of government. We won't have any lasting liberty. And so today, what I'd like to read through a little bit, for those of y'all that have been with the podcast for a little while now, you know that one of the resources that I that I really promote is the Patriots Bible. Um, every single family, absolutely, I would recommend to have at least one copy of this. It definitely should be in every classroom in the country. And I can back that up with Fisher Ames, the guy that actually wrote the First Amendment, folks, saying that that ought to be the textbook in classrooms, right? And he's not the only one. That's just the one that comes to the top of my head right now. So, you know, you can listen to MSNBC and CNN and the left all you want in every single possible way. You can have somebody say, oh, but the Supreme Court made the, you know, separation of church and state. Well, that was wrong. That was a horrific mistake. They weren't right. It doesn't matter how many law degrees they had. And they were either grossly ignorant or malevolent, folks. Those are your two choices. You pick whichever one you want. Uh, there's no excuse for separation of church and state of America. None. Our founders explicitly designed the nation based on the, the teachings of Christ. Does not mean you have to be a Christian to be American. Absolutely not. 100%. Our founders were very clear on that as well. The faith is up to each man, each woman on your own. That's between you and God. However, regardless of if you choose to have faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as the Son of God, if we don't follow his principles, as Thomas Jefferson said, and there's nowhere better to find them than in his discourses in the Bible, if we don't follow those principles, it's game over. And we see that today. We see it in our marriages. We see it in our families. We see it in our communities see it in our military, our institutions, and our nation as a whole. So, Patriots Bible, there's a little section in there on our Great Awakenings. And I want to read a little bit from that and, and talk about this and how important it is. Because we're ignoring this today, drastically, honestly. So, we'll go through, if I can get there. Bear with me. I'm sorry. Uh, so this again, this is from the Patriots Bible by Dr. Lee. One of the little insets there. When Jonathan Edwards began preaching in Northampton, Massachusetts in 1734, the moral conditions were at an extreme low, as was prevalent throughout most of the American colonies. Under his preaching that stressed the importance of an in immediate personal spiritual rebirth, a revival began in his church among the youth and then spread to the adults. 
Edwards wrote that in the spring and summer following Anno 735, the town seemed to be so full of the presence of God, it never was so full of love, nor of joy, and yet so full of distress as it was then. In two years, 300 converts were added to the church, and news of the revival spread throughout New England. We'll talk a little bit about more today, folks, but there's always, there was a revival before the revolution in the decades leading up to it. There was a revival in America before the Civil War in the decades leading up to it, folks. And, and this is what we have forgotten today. For the last several decades here, we have kept thinking, man, if we can just elect the right leader, if we can just make the right policies, whether it's uh, financial, you know, fiscal policy or foreign policy or whatever it is, man, then that'll get us there. That'll get us there. And, and I mean, everything, and I, and I fall trapped to it, folks. It would be real nice to have a balanced budget amendment, and it would be real nice to have flat tax or a fair tax, and it would be really nice just to have a couple politicians in Washington, D.C. that actually cared about people, the Americans. It would be great. But what what has to precede that and what does historically every time is a is an awakening of spiritual need in us as a people. We have to have Jesus Christ. And, and we can't do anything otherwise, folks. You go back to that quote by John Adams. If we can't find more virtue, then it doesn't matter what we do at the ballot box. It doesn't matter who we elect. Right. Again, another quote that I use all the time from John Adams. If we can't, if we don't have a moral and religious people, our constitution, our laws, they're worthless. They don't work. I think his quote was something along the lines of, it would be like a whale breaking through a fishing net. And there's multiple others, folks. If we don't start to make some radical changes, here's the deal. COVID last three years, right? So many times, and you know this, in conversation, y'all have heard this, people talk about, man, I just want to get back to normal. When are we going to get back to normal? How long is it going to take to get back to normal? Folks, normal is exactly what got us in this mess to begin with. Normal is why we're where we are. Normal is what let us spend hours on end watching sports and giving zero time, relatively speaking, to our spouses and our children. Normal it's what us, let us do whatever we want sexually outside of marriage and then pretend that that was going to have no effect on our marriages. Normal is what lets us turn our kids in front of a TV screen and not pay any attention to what's actually on the TV screen and then expect them not to pick up the values that are destroying our country. Normal is what says, you know, if you really don't like each other after a while, you just go ahead and get a no-fault divorce. No harm. Nobody's, you know, it's fine. Nothing's going to happen. It's not going to cause any problems. Uh, folks, and that's just a few things just right off the top of my head. Normal ain't going to cut it. It hasn't been cutting it for a long time, and we've just pretending, we've been pretending that it has been. And that's why our country is struggling in every single facet. And I say this, not every episode by any means, but I, I say it pretty frequently. If you don't believe that the evil values of the godless left that I list quite often, rejection of God, abortion, sexual deviancy of every kind, 
bigotry, feminism, revisionist history, illegal immigration, communism, socialism. If you don't believe that these are having destructive effects on our nation, go find a teacher at a school. Go walk the halls of a school if they'll let you. It won't take you long. You'll figure out real quick that we're absolutely destroying our country because we are destroying our children. Folks, they're in pain. A lot of them, you can't even you can't even tell it. They look great on paper. Grades are good. Achieving athletically. And yet they have no idea whether mom and dad really care about them at all. They have no idea if they're worth anything outside of their academic or athletic achievement. And those are the ones that look good on paper, folks. That's not talking about the absolute disasters that we see because their home life is an absolute disaster because we want to pretend we want to get back to normal. Just leave me alone. I, mean, I can't tell you. Some of y'all are probably turning it off right now. That's OK, folks. I'm all right with that. I cannot tell you how many times people get tired of listening to me. And yes, I know my voice. Yeah. But I think it has more to do with that. It's because just leave me alone. Man, I just I don't want to talk about it. I don't I don't like that. That's uncomfortable. That conversation is no fun. Just just leave me alone. Let me go back to watching my movie. Let me go back to watching my movie that's got all sorts of bad values promoted in it. Murder, sex outside of marriage, violence. Yeah, let me let me go back. Let me go back and watch my sports for another two or three hours. I, I just want to do this, man. Just just don't talk to me anymore. Let me just get back to normal. And then we wonder. We have the gall, the audacity to wonder why there's tension in our marriage or our marriage is failing. Why our faith is weak. We wonder why we go to church on Sunday, if we even go to church on Sunday and sit there. And we just don't really feel anything. We wonder why our kids are disrespectful. Why they're angry. Why they're arrogant. Why they're distant. You can say that about your spouse too for that matter. Good Lord folks. Because we're putting hours on end. Into watching TV. Into watching sports. Into working out. Into shopping. Into hunting. Into going off. We need, you know, we need some self-care time. I need to go away for the weekend by myself and really focus on me. What a joke. Way off track, folks. I'm going to read a little bit more from this section on the Great Awakenings. The British Methodist preacher George Whitfield continued the movement, making seven separate trips to America and spending nine years preaching across the colonies. He preached to 5,000 on the Boston Commons and 8,000 at once in the open fields. Between 1740 and 1742, an estimated 25,000 to 50,000 people were added to the New England church, changing the region's moral tone and gaining the name of a great awakening. The revival spread into the middle colonies, beginning in New Jersey, largely among the Presbyterians trained under William Tennant, including his son Gilbert, who became the leading figure of the great awakening in the middle colonies. 
The revival reached the South with the preaching of Samuel Davies among the Presbyterians of Virginia from 1748 to 1759. With the great success of the Baptists in North Carolina in the 1760s and with the rapid spread of Methodism shortly before the American Revolution. Because the First Great Awakening served to build up interests that were intercolonial in character and increased opposition to the Anglican Church and the royal officials who supported it, many historians say it helped set in motion a democratic spirit that eventually brought America its political freedom. It also resulted in an outburst of missionary activity among the Native Americans by such men as David Brainerd, and it was the impetus to the first movement of importance against slavery. In education, it led to the founding of a number of academies and colleges, notably Princeton, Brown, Rutgers, and Dartmouth. There's another quote I want to get to, folks. I'm not going to get to uh, the, the second awakening before the Civil War today, but I want to get to one quote here. And this is the other resource that I was talking about. I don't use this one very often. It's pretty new, folks, relatively speaking. But if you get a chance, 100 Bible Verses That Made America by Robert J. Morgan. It's pretty, it does a pretty good job of going even well before the founding, uh, all the way back to Columbus. And it, it just picks 100 different examples and talks about how those Bible verses and those men and women affected the creation of America and the Christian spirit, the Christian faith that really built America. Uh, and, and obviously it shows, just like the Patriot Bible and the other resources that I've talked to y'all about, it shows just what a lie separation of church and state was and, and how much our success as a nation is directly tied to our reliance on God as individuals in a country. And so one of my favorite sermons and I'm not well versed on these at all, folks. There's probably some others that are really good out there. I know there are, and I just haven't run across them yet. It's just too much information. But there's a sermon by Mayhew, uh, 1750, I want to say. And I just want to read a little bit from it. And he's talking about whether we have a responsibility as Christians to follow an immoral or an evil government. Romans 13 urges the duty of obedience from this topic of argument that civil rulers, as they're supposed to fulfill the pleasure of God, are the ordinance of God. But how is this an argument for obedience to such rulers as do not perform the pleasure of God by doing good, but the pleasure of the devil by doing evil, and such as are not therefore God's ministers, but the devil's? Common tyrants and public oppressors are not entitled to obedience from their subjects by virtue of anything here laid down by the inspired apostle. He's talking about Romans, folks, just in case you miss that from the Bible, the New Testament. When once magistrates act contrary to their office, when they rob and ruin the public instead of being guardians of its peace and welfare, they immediately cease to be the ordinance and ministers of God, and no more deserve that glorious character than common pirates and highwaymen. Every time, folks, that we promote that our government or our elected leaders, or even when you're talking about the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade or separation of church and state, every time we promote evil, those people immediately lose their authority on that particular issue, and we have no responsibility to follow them down that path. 
In fact, we have a responsibility, as Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin both noted, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. It's pretty simple. But this all comes back to John Adams' comment about if we can't find more virtue in us, folks, this all comes back to us. We have got to radically change the way that we have been living as people in this country because it's what's gotten us here. This just apathy to evil in our country and this desire, folks, and I get it. I get it. A lot of the examples I use, I use here because I'm so familiar with them because they're so tempting to me. You know, there's some of them I don't get. The uh, You know, going to play golf for eight hours a day or four hours a day when you've got a young family at home that needs your attention, I, that's not one of my vices. It's okay. I know it is for other people. Right? I'm more inclined. You want to go watch sports, right, for about five hours when I haven't spent any time with my wife or my kids? Yeah, I get that one. And there's a number of others, folks, but we can't sit here and spend all this time doing what we want to do, which is really not important. It's like the the old summer camp analogy. If you've ever heard of it or seen it, you take a glass mason jar and you, you've got a set of, of large stones and then you've got a pile of sand and it all has to fit in the jar, right? And the only way it can fit in the jar is if you put the the big things, the big stones that each usually have a name written on them in first, and then the sand, which is represents the little unimportant things in your life in second. And and I would argue, really, the pile of sand needs to be so big that it doesn't all fill, because there's some things in our lives, folks, that we just don't have time for, especially in certain stages of our life. You got a young wife at home and kids, dad, and you might not get to go hunting every year as much as you want to go. You might not get to go play golf every time. You might not get to go do whatever it is that you want to do. Wives, same thing. The flip side, whatever it is for you. You got a husband at home? Man, I hate to tell you that, but he trumps going out for a girl's weekend or going over for a girl's night once a week or once a month. Man, he just does. And the fact that he doesn't is why we're where we are. And, and Lord, God comes before either one of those. If we really want to get our country back on track, folks, as uncomfortable as these conversations are, we have got to have them. And then we've got to start to act on them. Have to. At any rate, <laughs> that seems to be how I'm closing these more often. Thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for listening to me. Listen to what uh, more than what I say, folks. Listen to these quotes from our founders. Listen to what our history is, our heritage. Listen to the truth. Because it shows blatantly that we are a Christian nation and have always been and have to be. And the times when we've really gotten messed up are the times when we quit following God and Jesus Christ. Y'all have a wonderful rest of whatever's left of your day. Whatever sphere of influence you've got, folks, and you do have influence, I guarantee you in whatever role you're in, you have influence. Spread the truth. Spread the light as much as you can, every chance that you get. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.